0: Thank you. Me behind my back It really don't make no difference to me No You know how I do
1: Back to the challenges of faith radio program. I like acknowledge God and our listeners. You know, each time, irrespective of who's singing, always listen to the words. Let's go back to the pond of water. If you don't mind, do you? Because I happen again to be on the road. A lot of these programs are being done live on the road now, and it's raining. So, let's go back to the pond of water in the rain. So you decided, whoever you are, when the relationship with an attorney, you know, an esquire, about that pond of water, you prayed. Again, now you know I don't know who you're praying to, but you prayed. You should know who you're praying to, and you ask God to. Send you an attorney. That's all who you wanted. You didn't want a construction worker. You didn't want a teacher, a professor. You did not want a scientist. You did not want a wealthy person, a poor person. You just want an attorney. You know it's true. So that's what we're going to talk about. You ready? Because you got to remember now that that's who you want to marry. Okay. Okay, so you now have your wish. What are the pros and cons? Well, the pros are you get to go to those parties that they go to, you know, with the social, legal, political, you name them. And when you're at your abode, you know, your residence, wherever you happen to reside. And you're sitting there and you're watching those legal programs on the TV or whatever device you're using. And that person who happened to be an attorney could explain what's going on, make a sense for you. They might be able to take care of that parking ticket and other tickets. I don't know how, but that's your attorney. And you know that attorneys are good at negotiating. and You're not going to have to be paying full price for activities that you're going on. And you know how people are. They think that because you're in a relationship with that attorney that esquire, that you're something. Well, they are with you. And the cons happen to be that, you know, that student loan debt. You got to be paid back may take a while. You know, I, I know that uh, our president, that some recent news came out, you know, as it relates to the economic amount that you have to have and requirements in order for your loan to be paid back. It can also be lonely. Are you alone' Because you know that that attorney that you want in your life. that you I don't know did you did you P-R-A-Y-E-D or P-R-E-Y-E-D. Only you really know. But sometimes because the attorney's working late at the office, it can be lonely for you.
0: But at least you'll
1: have that TV legal series to come. And just think about it. You'll never win an argument with them. But you know they like to debate. You know they surely don't want to lose. And you're talking about now it's time for their clothing to be clean. Now, you know it's going to cost a lot to clean those outfits because you know they've got to go to those parties and in the courtroom and elsewhere. But that's who you pray for, right? What does the Bible say about dating an attorney for a dating period? Well, the scripture says, you know, for a believer of the household of faith, you know, a follower of Jesus Christ, to not be unequally yoked in all relationships. But we'll get to that in a moment. I just want you to ponder and search the scriptures to see if that's exactly what it says. Remember, you've always heard me say, whether well, it's coming from me, your your past, Whoop pew members because when you look in the word, you're not you're not going to see the word courtship or dating. But you know what you're going to find in there. I know you are. because you're in there now. You're going to find some sound principles that believers of the household of faith are supposed to go by during the time before marriage. And the first is that we have to separate from society's view on dating because God's way contradicts society's way. But you already knew that didn't you and you can see that over in second peter chapter 2 verse 20 and since the world or society view it's a date around you know like you may have to go through 99 to find the one the important thing is to learn the character of that person before you're making any type of commitment to them you know I always say those with whom we spend our time we do determine our character we're either going to be like them or they are. But don't you think that you find out if the person is a born-again believer of a household of faith, you know, in the spirit of Jesus Christ, like John chapter 3, verse 3 through 8 talks about? Don't you want to know if they share the same desire toward christ likeness? Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 talks about. Because you got to remember, I know you do, that the ultimate goal of dating is finding that lifetime partner. Unless through your prayer you ask, and not only do you find an attorney to date in the marriage, you only want them for a little bit. But the word tells us that as believers of the household of faith, you know, as Christians, we shouldn't marry an unbeliever. Over like Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 15. What do you have in common? It lets us know how the relationship could be weakened with Christ and how the morals could be compromised. And you got to remember, cause I know you're in that committed relationship. You are or you're not. I know you're faithful, and they are as well to you. But when one is in that relationship, irrespective of whether you're dating or not, don't you know it's important to remember to love the Lord above all else, like Matthew chapter ten, verse thirty-seven. But I know you already knew that because you're in the Word as a believer of the household of faith, and that allows you to explain to that non-believer why your stand is the way in which it happens to be. To say or believe that another person is everything or the most important thing in your life, you know, is idolatry. And you heard me say, you know, a lot of believers want to name this sin, that sin, this sin, and that sin, and it is according to God, not according to them or according to me or you too. But as you get about these other sins like idolatry, think about it, what's first in your life? You can't even go to sleep without thinking about it or them. You've made it a little G-God in your life, like Galatians chapter 5 verse 20 talks about or Galatians chapter 3 verse 5. And it also lets you know as it relates to defiling your body by having premarital sex. I know, I know. But you know, you got to take that up with God, not me, not your pastor, not the pew member. And you can see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 to 13, 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. Because it's letting you know how it affects your relationship with God. And against your body, like first Corinthians chapter six, verse eighteen talks about. And while it's talking about it, just remember, since you're all in love with whomever you're in love with, just remember to love and honor others as you love yourself, like Romans chapter twelve, verse nine through ten talks about. And that's what you're talking about when you're in that relationship, you know, where those emotions are starting to move forward. And even though they're starting to move forward, you gotta remember. It maintain that foundation that we're talking about think about it. two of you are coming together and the word lets you know that once you become one you're cleaving to one another you hear me say clinging because now both of you are becoming one in that relationship which God intended to be permanent and unbreakable like Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 talks about them Matthew chapter 19 verse 5 but you can't find nowhere in the scripture I know somebody's going to try to infer what God has told any believer of the household of faith, whether it's a male or female, female or male, that they have to stay in an emotional or physical abusive relationship. But do you know something else? Do you notice that the Bible doesn't say anything about lawyers or attorneys as we know them today? Did you notice that while you were in there? I know you are. And when you really do your study, you learn that Israel was under the legal jurisdictions of Rome during our Savior's time. And so when the Word of God or the Bible mentions teachers of the law, like over in Luke chapter 5, verse 17, or lawyers, like over in Luke chapter 14, verse 3, do you notice how it's referring to the religious leaders who were experts, experts in the Mosaic law? So when you look at today's court system, you know, with the prosecuting attorneys and defense attorneys, they didn't exist at that time. You know, that person that you prayed for, that you're just dreaming all about, that attorney, that you want to be in your life or they in yours, or you and theirs. attorneys or lawyers as we know them today, you know, professional public servants, they're the ones who are supposed to know the ins and outs of the legal process and can lend their knowledge, their knowledge, you know, to resolve various conflicts with clarity and justice. Are you doing that, attorney? And when you do your continued research, I know you are, you'll find that they didn't appear until after the Middle Ages. And you notice when you really in the word you see how the bible mentions human accusers the individuals who bring a charge against another person in front of a court or magistrate you know usually witnesses not lawyers for the prosecution you can see that in luke chapter 12 verse 58 matthew chapter 5 verse 25 and since we're talking about the word because You know, Christian, you did pray just for an attorney, didn't you? Do you notice how the only character in the Bible who comes close to filling the job of a prosecuting attorney is Petellus, an orator who was knowledgeable of Roman law and paid by the Jews to present their initial case against Paul before Governor Felix over in Acts chapter 24, verse 1? Did you notice that? I'm sure you will. So when you think of the concept of prosecutors and defense attorneys or advocates, it's really a biblical one. No matter how you try to get away from it, it's really a biblical one. And as believers of the household of faith, isn't it wonderful, powerful that we have a spiritual advocate in Jesus Christ, the righteous, like First John chapter 2, verse 1 talks about? Do you notice how he defends our cause before the judge, God the Father? But you also know there's a prosecuting attorney, you know, too. You remember the accuser, Satan. Oh, you can find that in Revelation 12, verse 10. And since we're talking about law, do you notice how the devil, Satan, knows the Mosaic law very well? Do you notice how he knows the law better than any lawyer knows the law? Do you notice that he knows that humans have broken the law and he can therefore accuse us? And when you look in the Word, you see how he still has freedom to go before the throne of grace and mercy before God and accuse you and me and me and you and you and you and you? Aren't you thankful we have an advocate in Jesus Christ? Aren't you thankful he's our defense attorney who comes before the judge with a solution? Aren't you thankful that he has fulfilled the law for you and me, me and you, so that our punishment, so that our accountability can be placed on his shoulders and you and I can be declared not guilty like Matthew chapter 5 verse 17 talks about or Romans chapter 3 verse 24 or Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 talks about so when you look at the legal system today in your country or maybe your country or maybe your country but i know here in the united states it reflects this biblical model that prosecuting attorney looks into the law and brings an accusation against the defendant. And what they're attempting to do is to show that person's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. Then that person's attorney, who's known as a defense attorney, argues for the innocence of their client on points to some, or, you know, it'll point to some exonuating circumstance. But in the case of believers of the household of faith, you know, the followers of Jesus Christ, The extra circumstance is Jesus' sacrifice which paid our debt to the lawgiver, and that allows you and I to go free despite our guilt according to the law. And you can see that in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. So when you look at the lawyers today, you know, attorneys, esquires, do you notice how a lot of them face ethical and moral challenges? Do you notice that? And so you've got to ask the question, how far? Well, maybe it's you as an attorney should go to protect and defend the client. I mean, should you use some sneaky but legal tactics? Because a Christian who is an attorney, an attorney who is a Christian, has an opportunity to win a case and protect the client using a legal but morally questionable tactic should ask themselves a few questions. Is the tactic clearly immoral? is the tactic in question going to require something that God has commanded against? And the question you got to ask and answer is exactly what I just said. And so when you really, really continue to look at it, will the tactic require you as an attorney or the client to tell a lie? And when, it, and when you find out it requires you or you or you as an attorney or client to cheat somebody else or to be unkind to them, then you got to understand about the ethics part of it, the ethical part, especially as a believer of the household of faith, whether you are an attorney or a client. And since we're talking about tactics, will it misrepresent the truth so that the guilty goes free or an innocent person is punished? And so if you answer any of these questions with a yes, then don't you think you cast doubt on the ethical use of that which you're using? to get the person, and you've heard me say, use an example of law enforcement practitioners, professionals, you know, you don't have to become a criminal to catch a criminal. You know, when I left the system, that's what I like to call it, the intelligence field, I couldn't justify it. I remember, you know, 2024 for me is where I just simply obey God. These the consequences to him what I do. I remember person and being uh, monitored. That's what it was. And I gave him a business card, and the business card had my name. And it said I was, and it said I was from the Telus organization. You know, T E L U S. And they had a meeting and so forth and so forth, and the politician all this other stuff and. And the politician uh, ate and invited me into the meeting. And the person said, well, I thought you were such and such. I said, I am. He said, no, you're not. I said, I am. I said, look at the card. They looked at the card. They said, this this is your name. That's my name. They said, you're from, you say you're from this organization. I am. I said, now, the organization says, tell us. Tell us all you know organization. Now, when you get to that point, and you have to do that, you don't have to do. You understand? You sure? Well, I did, and I removed myself from the position. Two, are you acting ethically in God's eyes, and simply using the law in a way that will benefit the client? Because there's no reason why their knowledge yours or yours, or yours, and all that expertise that you have, you know you do, that it shouldn't benefit your case with your client. But at the same time, lawyers, esquires, who are believers of the household of faith, you have to have a commitment to honesty and a conviction against winning at all costs, like Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1 through 3 talks about, and James chapter 3, verse 16. In Philippians chapter two verse three, because when there's a question about the validity of a tactic that you're using in the courtroom, the best course of action is simply to ask the Holy Spirit of God for guidance and then trust Him to provide it, like James chapter one verse five talks about. And while we're still on the topic of ethics, you know, challenges. Program is called Challenges of Faith, born out of all of my challenging. Wow involving ethics. But some attorneys face the question of defending the client who they know is guilty. You know, the one you pray for to be in your life. But as a believer of the household of faith, you know you should not knowingly defend the client. A guilty client is a defense which involves falsehoods, excusing the crime or blame shifting or ignoring accountability, something that God detests, like over in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 15. And since you're over in Proverbs, did you notice that a curse is associated with calling the guilty innocent, like Proverbs chapter 24, verse 24 talks about? And blessings are promised to those who convict the guilty, like Proverbs chapter 24, verse 25 talks about? And do you notice that acquitting a guilty person is wrong for several reasons? You say, what? Yeah, did you know that if a guilty person is acquitted, other criminals are emboldened? Did you notice that there is a chance that the person will be tempted to repeat the crime because there was no punishment the first time?
0: Did you notice that
1: it's wrong to acquit a guilty person because we all have to come to the recognition of our guilt before God? Did you know that? But you're saying I don't believe in God. I know. Maybe that's where the ethical problem resides at. But if we are to be saved, like James chapter 2, verse 10, Romans chapter 3, verse 19 through 20, or 28, chapter 8, verse 1 through 2, come out of reading that, then you learn that defending the client, knowing of their guilt is no different morally from aiding and abetting the crime itself. And on the other hand, you know you know I was gonna do that, no you. The attorney or lawyer who is a prosecutor who have knowingly and willfully wrongly accused and prosecuted an innocent person, I believe should be held accountable as well, because it comes back to their personal ethics. You know, ask the many innocent people who were in jail for years and finally found innocent by others looking into the cases. And you notice how a lot of times when they come out, society, the system have to pay and should, and should, whoever caused it to be, what was their motive, what higher position were they trying to get to, or what money, whatever the case may be, and society. One day, a lawyer was driving his car, could be a herd, but it happened to be a hound, down the country road when he saw a group of cows standing in the middle of the road blocking his way. He honked his horn, but the cows didn't budge. He got out of his car and tried to shoot them. You know, he didn't try to shoot them. He was really just trying to push them away, you know, like move, move. You know what those cows did? They just looked at it. They just looked at him. Finally, the frustrated lawyer turned to the nearest cow and said, I don't have time for this. Do you know who I am? I'm an esquire. I'm a lawyer. To his surprise, the cow turned to him and said, Well, I'm a cow. What's your point? The lawyer couldn't help but laugh at the cow's response. And he realized that sometimes it's good to be reminded that even the most important people can't get away always their own. Now, did you understand that last part? You've been used to getting your own way always. And if something has happened in your life and it is happening to let you know in 2024, you're not going to always have it your way. Even if it takes a cow to look at you and let you know, okay, I heard your title, I heard everything about you, and that means what? So after the attorney left, he got back in his car and waited patiently for the cows to move, feeling a little more humble and grateful for the laughter. How about you? And you? And you? What's your motive for really praying for an attorney, an esquire to be in your life? Oh, by the way, if you just need a lawyer or an attorney in your life, try King Jesus. You know he's not gonna let you down. And he's going to be faithful with you and you with him eternally. You tell my
0: relationship,
1: the next time, the next time, the next time, we'll look at the drug dealer relationship, you know, which also includes a, guess what, a pharmacist. Yes, a pharmacist. You know, they they do sell drugs, don't they? Oh, I know you knew that you sure? Ponder all we talked about today. You don't mind, do you? Oh, before I conclude, can we go back to that ponder one? Did God answer your prayer? I mean, the God of the scriptures, you know, the Father, Jesus Christ. Did he answer your prayer? Would God just answer your prayer? making a person's title more important than the human person? According to who? You? Oh, okay. Okay, then. In my way.
0: I have to cry sometimes. That's alright. Right. But my Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I don't cheat. After a while, struggle in my way. After a while, sometimes. So much trouble. Makes me cry sometimes. I lay awake at night. Prepare. Yeah.